Hey everyone, Anthony Fantano here, internet's busiest music nerd, and you are listening to the latest episode of the Needle Drop Podcast, where we talk to content creators, musicians, artists of various shapes, sizes, and shades. And in this episode, we have the one and only Spencer Hazard of the band Full of Hell, one of the most uh, notoriously noisy and abrasive bands right now on the planet. How are you doing, dude? Oh, pretty good. All right, let's uh, let's talk about the last full-length album that you guys had uh, come out a while ago um, that uh, that I talked about a little bit on the channel. I'm sure some of my listeners here are familiar with it. It was a collaborative album with a Japanese noise artist and producer, uh, Merzbau. And uh, from my understanding, that whole connection kind of came as a result of a, a T-shirt you guys had made, or was it something else? It was actually... The T-shirt was later on, like the collaboration had been talked about for a while, mm. but we like we emailed Masami just to like make sure, being like, "Hey man, we're gonna like we really want to use this image," and he was like, "As long as you send me a couple, um, I'm cool with it." And then uh, when we firstly first actually met him in person in Tokyo, his wife was wearing the T-shirt to the show. That's funny. Yeah, but um, we got connected with him because we were playing a show in Brooklyn. And this random Hungarian guy came up to our drummer, or our, our bass player at the time, actually, and was just like, hey, man, like, awesome set, blah, blah, blah. And he was just like, yeah, yeah, I like no Merz, but I play live with him sometimes. And we're just like, oh, yeah, cool. All right, man. Like, we didn't think anything of it. And uh, he emailed us later, and he was like, hey, man, like, I showed Masami your guy's stuff, and he really wants to, like, work with you guys. So, like, that's how that whole thing came about. Hmm. And I mean, your your music is very blatantly influenced by grindcore, punk, power violence, uh, uh, metal as well. Um, just a, a lot of extreme rock in general, uh, which I mean, there's there's been no shortage of for a long time. I mean, what what is it if he's described it to you, you know, that sort of made him gravitate toward you guys through this, you know, acquaintance that you had met out of the blue? I'm like, not really sure, because apparently he like keeps up on new music, like surprisingly like Balaj is the name of his live drummer mm. and uh he said that like one of his favorite current bands is bring me the horizon like masami's is really so, like there he's like he knows about everything that's going on like anything new old he's like a fan of it mm. so like i don't know like it's we're lucky to be able to work with him i mean it's like it's an honor like i don't see why we're special compared to like another like grind or current day power violence noisy hardcore band but i mean i i'm not complaining like it's awesome it's a just addressing that that's a pretty funny presumption that i think just about any fan of alternative music would probably make about him that he's uh <laughs> that he's probably not listening to bring me the horizon uh that he's probably just hold up listening to noise all day or just i don't know listening to running refrigerators and then uh, using that as inspiration or something i mean obviously an, an exaggeration but uh but to just think that he's listening to bring me the horizon i think a lot of people would find uh, pretty funny yeah, um, the last time we played with him as well, he was wearing a Gorguts t-shirt, and we were just like, oh man, that's cool, Like, because we're all fans of Gorguts, but then we, he like turned around, and we saw the back dates, and it, it was like dates for like a small East Coast tour, like Wilmington, Delaware was one of the dates, and like we don't live too far from there, and we we're just like, that's so random that he would have a t-shirt from like that tour of all tours. Um talking about you know more about the creative process between you two guys it's it's kind of interesting to uh 
to have heard you two collaborate because even though you both make abrasive music, at least to my ears, and you know, correct me if, if I'm wrong, it feels like it, it comes from a different place philosophically or emotionally. You know, when I listen to Full of Hell, it very much sounds like the music, though abrasive, it's coming from an aggressive place. It's coming from an animalistic place. Whereas Merzbau, it's almost like more of a place of, I don't know, lack of emotion or maybe nihilism or something. Yeah, I think that as well. Like, um, but I mean, he doesn't really talk either. So it's hard to tell where his like influences or what emotion is affecting what music at the time. Because I mean, you can tell he is emotionally invested in some of his music because a lot of it is based on like his, him being a vegan. Like he has whole series of music like dedicated to like the trials and tribulations of like factory farming or like the issues with uh, killing dolphins in Japan. Like he has whole albums dedicated to that. Mm. So it does come from a place that like affects him emotionally, I think. But like, then again, I can't speak for him. And when he sort of um, came to collaborate with you guys on the songs, was the writing process, um, uh, I, I guess, uh, uh, what, was he looped in on the writing process from beginning to end, or did you sort of have him add on to ideas that the band had already kind of preconceived? The way he did it was we basically, he said, we had free reign to do what we want. So we basically wrote an LP. Then he sent us two hours, just one whole track, two hours long of just different noises he was doing. And it was just basically like, do what you want with this mm. and add it to your music. Cool. Whereas like, I know some people like, it's been a complaint and like, I like looking back, I wish he would did have more like involvement in like the first half of the LP. Like he is in on almost every song. It's just like, the way it's mixed, it blends in a little too much with our style. Hmm. But uh, with the second, um, the second LP as well, like we just like wanted to take more of what he was doing and like have him be in the forefront. You're, but, are you uh, talking about the Sister Fawn? Yes, like EP yes. that followed the record. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, at that point, it's kind of like you're sampling him or using him as an instrument, which I mean, if he's if he's doing that compliantly, you know, that's I mean, that's part of the creative process. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So so moving forward, you guys have this new record coming down the pipe. It's another collaboration, but it's with a group who uh, also makes a gr abrasive music, but it very much comes from a place that is obviously aggressive, obviously primal, uh, much in the same way that uh, that your music is, but uh, a little bit more on kind of the, the freakish end of the spectrum, uh, the band, the body. Yeah. Um, so give us a bit of a, a heads up as to, uh, and, and I've already showed many people who are listening to the, the show, the song that, uh, that had been released, um, the little death track, uh, which was super intense, super hellish. Um, is that, you know, kind of setting precedent for the rest of the record or are there more surprises in store for this record? You know, give us a bit of a heads up in terms of what we can, uh, kind of expect out of this thing. Uh, there's a lot more surprises. There's a Leonard Cohen cover on really? that album. Really? Yes. Okay. Um, there's like some straight up just harsh noise tracks. There's like a noise grind track where Chip from the body's doing vocals while it's just like crazy free range like blast beats. There's um, 
more of the stuff where they do where there's like sampling the vocals like uh we have a track where it's like very beat driven but he samples Chrissy who has collaborated on multiple body albums hmm. like her vocals make up the whole melody of the song there's a lot of like we wanted to take it to like more godflesh swan's influence hmm. but then the bot like lee from the body was just like i just don't want it to be a ripoff like industrial metal records so like sure. it's all over the place but it flows hmm. um <laughs> well i mean that's that's a that's pretty interesting uh okay so so you're talking about you know this discussion as to where the album should move stylistically was was it a bit of an issue to kind of reach a consensus or see eye to eye on a lot of decisions you know sort of bringing another collaborator in because you're talking about Mersbau, um you know essentially handing over these sounds and then saying do what you will you know but it seems like this creative process you know the band was more directly involved in every step of the way yeah like we had no ideas we just like we had done a month-long tour together mm. and at the end of the month-long tour we we're just like all right let's go into the studio for a week no ideas or nothing the first day it was kind of stressful because i was bringing like some riff ideas to the table and just every single idea was getting shot down mm. so like i was just like well, well what am i going to do like this album but then like as the days progressed it just like flowed more and more and became easier and easier to just like get everything done mm. and uh uh specifically are there a lot of vocal surprises on the album or you know sort of where do the vocal contributions lie from each group because the body's vocals do tend to run super freakish and and they and they were definitely that on that little death track um i think they're equal like in a sense like it's not one vocalist overpowering the other and like uh like i said there's like some clean vocals like sampled on there as well and and talking about uh that cover, uh, let's go back to that for just a second. Um, <laughs> how exactly do you take a Leonard Cohen song uh, and kind of translate it into such a, uh, I guess, an extreme uh, sound? You know, unless you guys kind of tamper that down a little bit for your for your version. I mean, how do you sort of make sure that uh, while translating it into something that. Uh, uh, your music and the body's music that can be so aggressive, so abstract, uh, sort of maintain the original spirit of the track. We basically, we like, it's a very like close cover. Like it's like leans close to like the original, but it is taken from like the body's perspective. I'm pretty sure I'm not, I think it was our singer's idea. Dylan, he like has always wanted to cover Leonard Cohen in our band and I think he took that opportunity for like such an extreme experimental avant album to be like all right let's do this but I would say like think of like how Sun covered For Whom the Bell Tolls sure. basically think of Sun covering Leonard Cohen it's just like very stripped down just vocals and guitar and some like electronics behind it so it's just like super blown out guitars still playing what Leonard Cohen's playing, just like drop down like 10 steps. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So, I mean, the, the, the upcoming record, the, the track sounds great. What you're telling me sounds really interesting. Uh, I'm sure there are a lot of people listening that are uh, pretty excited to hear it. Um, so, so let's move on to talk about just extreme music now in general, you know, uh, if, if you don't mind. Okay. Um, extreme rock extreme noise music uh, uh 
for years it's sort of had this reputation for just kind of pushing the envelope and um you know for you guys uh is is that sort of a a conscious effort that you continue to do or is it kind of more about just kind of keeping the 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 sound and keeping this idea alive just out of kind of a just a passion for it i think it's kind of a passion Hmm. and just like the more we play and the more we keep touring and like dealing with like people and just like touring experiences and just like seeing how different like trends are and stuff it like makes us want to go more and more extreme and get angrier and angrier like i know that sounds cliche but like it's the truth every time we like write a record it's not like oh we need to like top this like we need to make it more extreme it's just like it happens kind of thing Hmm. is that because the the, where you previously were isn't giving you the thrill that it did just uh not too long ago so do you need to push it even further uh yeah basically Hmm. like i mean like into anytime we like write a record like as soon as we're done with it like i end up hating the songs that we wrote i'm just like it could have been more extreme it could have been better like you know like just like I know probably like every musician goes through that just like I could have done this differently and it like pushes me to be like all right like you know and uh so so this extremity that you guys see you put yourselves you know pushing yourselves into um you know does this come from the the sorts of places that we typically expect them to in genres like metalcore and power violence and and uh uh, grindcore or are you guys experimenting a little more with uh you were just saying that you were experimenting with some electronics on this record you know um do you see yourselves uh, uh sort of bringing sounds from more alternative places you know kind of outside of the the general rock instrumentation uh world to sort of continue to fill your sound out and just uh make it more abrasive yeah i think so because even in like live settings like we've started using more like uh synth instruments and keyboards and like more samples and stuff i think that's going to have more place in recordings but like i have gotten more into guitar oriented music just like you know more technical death metal type stuff like has sparked my interest more so i want to take influences from that because before it was just like you know typical like just power violence grind stuff like power chords but now that i'm just like I want to actually have the guitar not be so much of a background instrument compared to like the rest of our records. Cause anytime we would write a record, I would, before I would write the guitar parts, I would think about like other instrumentation or how the drums are going to sound. And the guitar was more of like a back thought to me. But now I'm like, while we write new stuff, I think of like the guitar, the guitar parts before I think of anything else. Hmm. And, uh, uh, so you're talking about adding more synthetic elements into the music. Um, you know, how, how the, in, in your mind, is it, uh, is it important to make sure that, uh, you know, the synths that you're finding, the electronic elements that you're finding, uh, that they kind of maintain a level of grime to them because the drums, the vocals, the guitars, especially, uh, they do kind of have a very abrasive buzzsaw kind of feeling, you know, how do you sort of make sure that the, those synthetic elements are, are sort of, a as ugly in a way i don't think it's like i think noise has to be ugly but like when it comes to like keyboards and stuff i don't think it has to necessarily be ugly Mm -hmm. because even like look at a band like 
the classic like death metal band Nocturnus, like they had traditional keyboard parts, but it was still like crazy death metal underneath of it. But he wasn't playing like super blown out. He was playing like pretty synth, like for the time, like keyboard parts. Like he was using what was available and just using those sounds, not really manipulating it. And it gave the music like a whole different like spacey atmosphere. Like I think that could like be cool in our music or like I said, you know, like it could be blown out and, you know, uh, help our music. But yeah, I would like to experiment and, you know, just have any type of synth keyboard sound. Mm. I think to create that, like kind of a contrast, you know, something melodic, yeah, exactly. something harmonious. Exactly. Yeah. And like to like just give it like a whole different vibe to it. Whereas like the guitars could be grinding and drums be blasting and it just like gives it a whole like different like dimensional feel to the entire song hmm. um earlier when you were talking about some some inspirations that might have been going into this uh, upcoming record with the body i mean it's interesting that you bring up swans i mean not too long ago i found um uh an 83 pressing of uh of filth and um uh, i picked it up on vinyl and uh it's it's just so funny how something uh <clears throat> so old just sounds so hellish and extreme and freaky today and uh, uh i don't know it's it's uh, uh i th i think uh it seems almost to me like the antithesis or sort of a uh, um against the ethos of of some of this music to start looking backwards because obviously we're noisier today we're more aggressive today but you know there's still something about that record that i think there are probably albums today that are kind of missing that try to take an aggressive approach that exactly like look at like albums like that had nothing to look back on it was made out of like pure like artistic endeavor like they created these ugly recordings and stuff and like whereas like a band like that could come out today can look look back and say like oh like i can listen to this and this and this is my influences where an album coming out in the 70s or 80s that's completely disgusting it's just you know made from the heart like nothing was influencing it except for like their mutist or uh musical like endeavor or whatever you know that's a that's a really great point you know and, and i think something that uh your average rock musician today whether they know it or not probably struggles with at least a little bit you know i mean while rock music is 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 great um it's past it's very it's very dense and it's a very rich past you know almost kind of um haunts everybody who picks up a guitar today yeah and you know it's it's kind of like uh you you want to have those authentic you know sort of uh artistic expressions that seemingly come out of nowhere but simultaneously um uh somebody's going to compare you to something especially considering on the internet they have access to everything and you know with everybody having just every <laughs> commercially recorded song in history at their fingertips um it's almost like musicians can kind of overload themselves on stuff you know yeah and i mean like i think that needs to be a goal for like modern day bands i mean it's one of our goals like of course we wear our influences on our sleeve but like we also want to be able to create something that people can look back on and be like you know like it stands the test of time kind of thing like we don't want people to be like, oh, this was like of you know, flash in the pan, like heat of the moment, like type band. Like we want to like do something where it's just like 
like, you know, like I said, stand the test of time, like, actually, like, because, I mean, there's a ton of bands, like, that, like, one or two out of a genre will stick out, and then the rest, unless someone is, like, a complete, like, music nerd, like, or is, like, completely infatuated with the genre, will never find out about. Hmm. Well, I, that's that's another thing to, to sort of ask about. I mean, I... Even though the music industry and sort of the art of music and creating music is very different today uh, in comparison with uh, the process and music culture in the 80s, um, you know, th there are some things that have certainly carried over in today. I mean, with pop music, for example, pop music was on a pedestal. It was very popular in the 80s as well as any other decade. And it's very popular today. You know, it's in the limelight. There's shine on it. There's really no difference between then and today in that respect. But with extreme music, uh, the community decades ago used to be so insular. It was so shadowy. It was so, you know, under the radar. And now with the internet, it kind of seems like anybody can just kind of casually access it just as easily as they sort of access anything else, you know? Um, is, is the fact that the internet has kind of removed the shadows away from this community in a sense uh, affected the music at all or sort of taken away a, a sort of mystery that it might have needed to kind of maintain an appeal? I mean, I don't think necessarily because there are still some like, I mean, look at it like a label like Youth Attack, like just has no, no, like they have a website, but none of the bands have any internet presence at all. And like half the bands release their albums on cassettes or A tracks. So like, you know, it's still like, still people are creating music that like you have to dig for hmm. kind of thing. It's just not presented to you just because like through YouTube, like some bands, like, like I said, you got to actually like dig for it or know somebody like, and to be able to listen to it. Like there's plenty of bands, like I've seen live YouTube videos for, but I cannot find the demos or listen to any of their like studio recordings because they'll make like a demo of 20 and be sold out and you'll never hear from it ever again. You know, I, I hear more and more of that stuff going on. Like it, it seems like there's some artists and some labels out there that just through word of mouth, I find out about because in one way or another, they've kind of said, fuck this internet shit. Um, which I mean, it, in one sense, I think the internet is great. You know, it allows people like me and people like you to do what we're doing. Um, but simultaneously, it has its downsides, too. And I feel like the further we go into this decade, we're sort of finding those ways out, you know, the ways the Internet isn't exactly fair to musicians and the creative process. And I could foresee maybe, a, you know, sort of musicians and, and music fans as well who are really looking for something authentic and looking for somebody who's doing something abstract and interesting, uh, searching for that offline eventually, because what's going online might turn out to be so homogenized five years from now. And I think, too, with stuff like like you hear a lot of problems with like record store day, like people are actually going to have to search for like truly unique underground music because even the record stores are becoming oversaturated again with like just, you know, stereotypical, like run of the mill, like pop, like getting pressed a million times. Like we've even had to deal with it. Like our records being like pushed back and pushed back, and pushed back because all the major like vinyl pressing plants have to deal with like, the overcrowding of all the major market uh, labels just like releasing stuff like reissuing unnecessary crap 
or just like repressing stuff that has been like repressed already a million times. So like to find something authentic now, I think you actually have to like go to like a small record store or actually go figure out where these bands are playing live to be able to pick out their music and stuff. Yeah, that's kind of the uh, the downside of the popularity of, of vinyl right now, the downside of vinyl's comeback. You know, it, it doesn't seem like with records becoming popular again that m more record pressing plants have opened or something, you know? So as a result, a lot of artists that I know and I talk with because I review their music and I'm sort of on a person-to-person -person basis with them, um, you know, tell me that, oh, I have to delay my record again, my self-released record again, because, you know, uh, with a lot of these pressing plants, uh, the artists that are signed to labels or the artists that, you know, they have, uh, they sell more copies than me, or they have a bigger rapport with, you know, sort of take priority and they've already taken half my money and I just have to wait for them to finish the pressing. And then I give them the other half. Yeah. And then too, by the time, like, and I mean, Stuff like records leaking is inevitable. And it's, I mean, like, I don't care. Like, we will put our records for free online after, like, a certain amount of months anyway. But, like, as you're sitting there waiting for the record to come out, it's, like, more than likely that your music's going to, going to get released anyway. So, like, it's, like, I feel like having a record out is, like, something to show for your art. And, like, that's a pride moment kind of thing. But then, like, it, it kind of does like hurt your pride when you know you like are just like oh well i have to sit on this record but everybody's already heard it anyway you know what i mean like you can't like instead of like giving someone a physical copy like they've already had it so it's like it's taken the moment away kind of um uh, yeah absolutely i mean that's that's very much something that uh and, and i don't know how you know old you are but that's something how i that that I grew up with and I'm sure that at some point when you were younger you grew up with too you know the 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 whole ritual of you know going out to buy a record that you haven't heard before and then coming back to listen to it for the first time yeah um all right so so moving into the future um you know could we foresee you know uh <clears throat> full of hell sort of uh taking any alternative approaches to releasing their music, disseminating their music, or, uh, you know, will you just kind of stay the course that you're at now? Because it seems like the band has reached, a um, a certain level where, you know, at least continuing down this road is, is feasible for now. I think we'll probably like stick to it. I mean, we'll do like, like when it comes to releasing music, we'll like release cassettes or something once in a while just for fun. But like, we're just, yeah, just going to keep like releasing you know, records and CDs, like as long as we can, as long as people have interest and just going to keep writing as much as we can. Okay. And, um, uh, after this, uh, collaborative record that you guys have coming out with the body, uh, are you guys going to be doing a lot of live dates with them? Some solo dates? Um, we actually have a, uh, European tour coming up with them. Mm -hmm. it's like a month-long european tour and then we're taking we have a bunch of like one-off stuff just us in the summertime and then uh come in the summer early fall we're gonna do a collaborative tour okay and uh and after that whole process are you guys gonna get back to uh you know just kind of writing as as the core band yourselves uh yes we already it's crazy because i mean we just released a seven inch that we recorded after the body collab, like we recorded the body collab in the summer and then we recorded a, a new seven inch, like a couple months later and that's out already. And then we have a split coming out, but I can't 
like announce anything with that yet. And then we're currently writing a new LP as well. Uh, where can people get a hold of that seven inch if it's not sold out? We can uh, put a link down in the description. Um, you can get it from uh, our Bandcamp, which I think is just fullhell.bandcamp.com. Okay. And then, uh, Bad Teeth Recordings mm -hmm. is the record label that put it out. Okay, we'll uh, we'll make sure to link to that, and uh, you know we'll link over to that song that you guys had out with the body and uh, uh, your last record, your last collaborative record with Mersbau. And uh, I think we're gonna leave it there. I want to thank Spencer Hazard for coming on the show, talking about his band Full of Hell, the music that he has coming down the pipe, and uh, just extreme music in general. Cool. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. No, thank you.